So you might, the word this morning, you know, we're on this series of sustain and I've been talking about the Apostle Paul and, and his second missionary journey. But really what I want to do in the time that we have here is talk about and actually give, give us some tools to how to ascertain clarity for God's will in our lives. It's a big, big thing. Um, we will come to places in our life where, whether it may be vocational, relational, it might have to do with a life transition, something we're facing. It might be happening to us right now where we're wrestling with, what do I do? Different options are there. There are certain doors. There's a path I have to choose. How do we understand God's will? How do we get a better sense of the right move to make with our lives at key juncture points that have tremendous potential implications? I want to I really zero in on that. And I think there's a lot for us to glean from what we're about to share. My prayer is there would be a flow of wisdom that would be practically given to each of us to utilize and that the Lord would speak to your own heart as well. So I guess when it comes to trying to figure out the Lord's will at times, there's sort of a simple way that I often look at it. We're going to see this in the passage that we're about to look at. Sometimes when we're trying to figure out a direction, the answer that God gives us is no, don't go that way. Sometimes the answer is go. Yes, that's the way. Other times the answer is slow, like slow it down. And then sometimes the answer is grow. Like this is a time for growing, for the time where it may be into the future. So with that sort of in mind, this idea of no, go, slow, grow, I want to sort of have us just think about that together. And so what I want you to do, if you just heard what I said, I want you to turn a person or two and say, no, go, slow, grow. Go for it. Give it a shot. <laughs> Exactly. And there are these moments, right, where we're going to need to figure out what am I supposed to do? So let's reset. We're going to use the passage right here. We've been talking about how to sustain, how faith keeps going. We've been looking at Paul's, what's known as Paul's second missionary journey from the book of Acts. And we're using it as a template to enhance our understanding. Let's look at verse, Acts 15, verses 35 and 36. It says, but Paul and Barnabas, I'm just going to jump back in. We covered this a couple of weeks ago, but it sets the table. Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord and many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. They had planted churches and they wanted to go back. They were talking about going back and seeing them. I'm going to put up a map. I know not everyone's into maps, but uh, it can be really helpful for a couple of reasons. One, it's really good to know that the Bible is not just taking place in some made-up places. It's happening in real place, real places that are still there today. You can experience them. This is not just some fantasy made-up thing. This actually happened, and it's something to really consider. Now, you look at this map, and you get a sense of what we're talking about. Now, this is the days and the region as it would have been in Paul's day, the early part of the Roman Empire, right? Uh, you, get, you get a sense of where things are at. We're going to look at that in a moment. But even if today you were to see these two big masses, you see the Aegean Sea. The Aegean Sea separates that big body of land there. That's what we call modern-day Turkey, all right? And then the, uh, you cross the Aegean Sea, and you're in, you can see where Athens is, you're in Greece. 
So it gives you a little bit of a sense of the region. And of course, the way the Mediterranean curls around, you see exactly where Israel is. It's actually just a really small little space of land where Jerusalem is. And that, little, that area along the rim of, of the Mediterranean, you know, and then you move up and you have Lebanon and Syria and, and you've got Jordan and you keep moving in that direction and getting in the areas of Iraq and Iran where we talk about all the time in the news. These things are happening all the time. This is a very active region of the world. And where Paul and the early church was trying to take the message of Jesus was right in that direction. The churches that had been established uh, were Derby, Lister, Iconium. They had been sent from Antioch. That's the, now, what's interesting, we just read this here, is that, and just again, just to remember, that when they, they have this discussion, hey, what do you think? I think God wants us to go and revisit the churches that we planted. I think he wants us to go see how they're doing. What do you think about, he, Paul talks to his ministry partner, Barnabas, who had gone with him. And what's interesting is that they both agree that God's probably in this for sure. Let's do it. But then we know that something happened. And we talked about it. At the very outset of this endeavor, they had a heated disagreement. And if you recall, that disagreement was connected to a young man named John Mark. And John Mark, again, it was a fisher in their, in their relationship. John had quit about halfway into their first missionary journey when they were first going and planting these churches. He had quit. For Paul, that was unforgivable. Barnabas says, you know what? I'd love to take John with us. I think he's really grown a lot. He'd be a tremendous asset to our team. Paul says, there's no way he's coming. He's already demonstrated. Do you remember how dangerous it was? I almost died in Lystra. We <laughs> he abandoned us. He quit. The guy's not, he's not, he may be grown. He's not coming. And it says their disagreement was so intense that they agreed to part ways. They have a, before they even get started with the vision, there is a division. Barnabas says, fine, I'll take John, and he heads off to Cyprus. He gets on a ship and goes back in the direction they had gone the first time. Barnabas, in a way, sails right off the pages of Scripture as well. We barely learn more about him, just a little bit. Paul, on the other hand, says, fine, I'll take another person with me. And he has a, a part, ministry partner named Silvanus, Silvanus in the Greek, Silas, as he's often referred to in the Bible. And he says, Silas and I will go by land this time, and we will revisit the churches, and we'll go westward from Antioch. You can see that where they're going. They go through the uh, passes, uh, mountain passes near Tarsus, and they make their way into that region today, again, of modern-day Turkey. And, as, and, that, and that sort of, and again, I, I, I was just sort of something for us to, to remember that from the very beginning, they sort of had this division, but in Paul's mind, they agree to disagree and they go their separate ways. Paul has a, a kind of game plan. He, he really wants to take the message after he revisits the places where they've been. He sees a region. See that city called Ephesus? It was one of the great cities of that day in Asia Minor. And that city, Ephesus, was tailor-made for the way he wanted to present the message of Jesus. We know that when he had a strategy, that what he would do is he would go typically to a city. An ideal city would be where there was a large Jewish community, because he himself was Jewish. This was a message that was grounded in the Older Testament. It was about the Messiah, the promised one of Israel, who was now available to all the world, Jew and Gentile alike, if they would receive him, the resurrected Savior. 
he, his, his strategy always was, I go to the, a city where there was a large, thriving community. I find the synagogue. In the synagogue, I will be able to talk about, he was a former Pharisee, a teacher. I will be able to talk about, to, the, to my fellow Jews, I will be able to talk about Gentiles who have fully converted over to Judaism, are very familiar with the scriptures and the teachings. And I can also talk with Gentiles who, though, although they haven't made a full conversion, to Judaism are nonetheless attached to that synagogue and very open to the message, the message of scripture. They were called God-fearers. In other words, he saw a ripe opportunity and in his mind, Ephesus was the place to go. And he's got it in his heart from the beginning. I'll revisit the churches and then we're heading there. All right, that's his plan. Now let's read through verses one through five. We'll, we'll pick back up here just to reset everything. It says, then he came to, this is in your handout. You can follow along your scripture as well. Acts 16, one through five. Then he came to Derby and Lystra. There they are, the, the two cities that we mentioned. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, who was a son of a certain Jewish woman who believed. We covered this in depth last week. We talked about it. But his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who are at Lystra and Iconium. So in those churches were very familiar with Timothy. He was a, a young leader who they highly regarded, a follower of Jesus. We know his mother and his grandmother were committed believers. Um, Timothy himself, half Jewish, half Greek. And as they went through the cities, it says, they, they, it says that he took him and circumcised him because of, of the, the Jewish leaders who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. So what happens is when Paul gets to those, to those towns there, uh, his team essentially grows. He brings on Timothy, and now it is a group of three. They follow through. They encourage the churches. They come to a crossroad somewhere near that other Antioch. You see it? Antioch of Pisidia. They come to a crossroad, and they, this is when the, the road leads that way. It's leading westward. He's got to make a decision. Okay, now what do we do? And I, it's in his heart to head southwest to Ephesus. There's Colossae, there's Laodicea, there are places, but he really wants to go there. And in his heart is his passion. He wants to do it. He wants to take the message of Jesus there. But look what it says in verse 6. Something remarkable happens. And this, what we're about to read is what really caught me and, and is, was the reason why we're actually sharing so much of what we've been sharing in these past weeks and the two weeks that are ahead of us. It says they went through the region, and I, you read these places, and you're going to go, what are the, these places right there? They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. That's that whole area of Derby, Lister, and Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia. And then it says, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, the Bible just throws this in. Asia means southwest in Ephesus and Colossae. This is what happens. Paul's mind, he's visited the churches, he's got Timothy with him, I'm going to Ephesus. Something happens that he interprets as the Lord saying to him, no, in the spirit, you cannot go there now. I don't want you going there. He senses it, he has an impression whether he, it's not clear how he knows that the Holy Spirit is forbidding him. All we're told is that he has this idea and he's told, in the, he, he gets a clear sense that God is saying, that door, I am shutting that door for you now. I don't want you to go there. Paul resonates with that. It wasn't his plan. His plan was to go there. That was the tailor-made spot. 
It's what made the most sense from a missiological standpoint, bringing the message of Jesus, no better place. And he was very strategic. Okay, what is God trying to say to me? I know he, he commissioned us to go on this journey to make this trip. I know he wants us to take this message to places where it's never gone. But now I want to go there and God's saying no. Okay, he thinks to himself, God must want me to go in a different direction. Because at that crossroads spot, he's thinking, okay, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe God wants me to go northward, up. Now, if you were to go straight up, you would head to the region of the Black Sea. The Black Sea is, is sort of built, if today, in, you would see Turkey, you would have parts of Russia, the Ukraine, they all border the Black Sea. In his mind, he's thinking, God must want me to take the message of Jesus northward. I got it wrong. I was coming here, I hit the crossroads, I can go this way, that way, or straight ahead. I wanted to go to Ephesus, no. The Holy Spirit says no. He thinks in his mind, okay then, it must be to the people of the north that I'm called to go and take this message. That must be the door that God wants. Look what it says in verse 7. When they had come to, to Mycia, that's a little further west, they attempted to go into Bithynia, all right, which would be upwards. It says north towards the Black Sea. But then we're given this phrase, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And when you read this, you go, what is, what is happening here? Wow. And that's a phrase, by the way, you'll barely ever see it in all the Bible. The spirit of Jesus forbade them. It's like the Lord did not allow them, right? It was, it was like Paul's thinking, I'm going to go that, I'm going to go to Ephesus. No, no. Oh, then I'm going, then we're going north. No. I can't, wait a second. I know God sent me on this. I can't go back. This wasn't the purpose. I can't go towards Ephesus. Now I know the Lord is saying to me in some way, it's making it very clear to me, I can't go north. What am I supposed to do? That's, that's where we're at right here. Two no's in both directions. Again, remember, he's not on this. This is not, how can I say this? Um, he's not traveling for profit or pleasure. This was not a vacation. This was not a vacation to the Mediterranean or the Black Sea. This was not a sightseeing tour, as legitimate as it would be, or a money-making business endeavor. This was, in his mind, kingdom work. He was an ambassador of the king felt his entire life purpose was to represent King Jesus in the places, particularly in the Gentile world where the message had never gone. Knew that he was, if he was to fulfill his purpose, that he was to give everything that he had, just in the same way that he had given everything he had to oppose the way of Jesus. As the chief persecutor of the way of Christ of his generation, he had come to a radical alter view of who Jesus was, and he said he had met him, and it had altered his life, and he then turned himself into um, a completely, utterly committed, devoted follower of Jesus who was utterly committed to the mission that he had been given. And he was following through on it. And again, one of the things that is striking us here, because he's contending for the souls of men and women, that's how he sees it, is that he really, I hope you can see this, he's trying to, if Paul is trying to figure out God's leading, and if you look at what actually happened, it is fascinating. It reminds us that 
the way of God's direction, his providence, if you will, if you think of it that way, the framework of providence is that there's a connection to free will, that within the framework of providence is free will, and that the way that God guides is not always the way of the straight line. That, that within the larger scope of providence, we are given freedom to maneuver, and it's not always easy to decipher the will of God. I doubt there was anybody in the world, and you can make the case there has never been another person in the world who has been more tied to the spirit of Jesus than the Apostle Paul. And yet we see how hard it was for him to gain clarity. He thought he knew, but then he realized he didn't. God wants us to go. Okay, let's head south, then west for Ephesus. But the Holy Spirit says no. Okay, let's head north. And they start to, but the Spirit of Jesus forbids them. That only leaves them one move in Paul's mind. I got to know here, I got to know here, and I'm not going back. This road's got only one direction left. I'm going straight ahead. And I'm just going to keep, we're going to move forward. I have no idea where this is going to take us. But that's where we're heading. And so he starts heading towards what we call Troas, which is a Roman port near the ancient city of Troy. You've probably heard that. You guys can put that second map up because I think it gives it a little more clarity. Watch what happens. He heads westward towards the Aegean Sea, towards Troas, a Roman port city. Look at verses 8 and 9, the last two verses we're looking at this morning. So passing by Mycenae, he went down to Troas. There it is. We're going, I don't know, I don't know what God wants us to do. I thought I knew, but I'm, it's clear to me, I can't go this way, I can't go that way. We're going straight ahead. I'm going to go as far as we can go to where the road ends, and the road ends at Troas. I don't know what God has for us, but that's where we're heading. And he starts moving in the direction of Troas, and, a vision, and then he gets there, and we're told when he walks, he gets there, and something happens. Why does God have us here? He goes, it, he, evidently he goes to sleep that night, not clear, but he has, we're told, a dream. And in that dream, we see he has this vision of a man who's dressed in the kind of garments or clothing that would identify with someone who was of Greek Macedonian origin. And he, he, in this dream, he sees this man dressed in Macedonian clothing saying, come and help us. Paul wakes up. He's convinced the Lord, I know what, I know what God is doing. I know what God is doing. He wants us to cross the sea, the waters, and he wants us to go to Macedonia. That's what the Lord wants. And you know what that does? For the first, for the first time in the history of the world, the message of Jesus will be taken across the waters and landing on the outer rim of the continent of Europe. It's the landing. And by the way, nobody could have known at that time that less than 300 years later, the entire Roman Empire would be overwhelmed by the message that these men, this group of three, and at the time, oh, in Troas, they were joined by another man. Evidently, there was another believer in Jesus who was a doctor by trade. His name was Luke. You recognize Luke because that becomes the third gospel. He writes one of the gospel accounts. He also is the one who records the book of Acts. Luke joins the team. The team grows. They decide, I know where we're supposed to go. 
We're supposed to go across the waters. We're supposed to take the message. Nobody could have envisioned that less than 300 years later that this literally would, this moment changes the world. It only over, not only is the, uh, the, the Roman Empire ultimately going to be overwhelmed by the message of Jesus, but you could argue, there we legitimately make the case that there would be no, this, this country would not exist as it is in any way, shape, or form without this moment. That the entire history of the world was altered when the message of Jesus landed in Europe with four men. Powerful stuff. You look at it, you go, that's intense to me. And it caught me. So here's what I want to do. We says, oh, what, what happens when they land? That's next week. All right. <laughs> ah, ah, because something happens. Mm, okay. What I want to do with our time, though, because this is important, too, not only to learn history in the church and your Bible, have a working knowledge of it. It has value in and of itself. But now, remember what we're talking about, discerning the will of God and, and how to discern it for our own lives at critical junctures. Maybe we're in one now. We're trying to figure out, what door do I walk through? Or maybe we're getting restless and we have something that we desire, like Paul did with Ephesus. Okay? Here's some principles. This is what Push, this is, this met, these are the pieces that mean so much to me. I'm going to suggest, submit some things to you about sustainment. And here we go. Sustaining is going to require humility and discernment to effectively decipher God's will for our lives, which is often not as easy as it seems. One of the keys to sustaining our faith is to decipher his will, again, at these critical junctures, learning to listen to the spirit of Jesus how can I say this, is um, it's more art than science. We can get it wrong. That's one of the reasons why we need humility. Again, I think about how Paul thought he knew. I mean, at the very beginning, he, who could have envisioned? Did, did they have, they have a... a a relational fisher on, with their team from the outset of something that we go, but isn't God in that? Well, how could that happen? It happens because there's human beings involved who have fallen and broken natures. And can, now, I think God brought good from it um, in, in, in its own way. It actually was a blessing, but I don't know if that was his will. Well, so it starts out with a relational breakdown. Then he gets there and he's, he's, he's basically thinking, I... I I must have got this wrong. I, I thought I knew what God wanted me to do, but clearly I'm thinking I'm going to Ephesus and God's imp impressing to me that no, I'm not. I'm not supposed to do that. The door that he was, remember how the, the door that is closing there is more that he has a sense that, that the Lord doesn't want him to do this just because the door opened. Like he could have gone to Ephesus, but he has that deep impression. That's not what the Lord wants me to do then what am I supposed to do, right? And you see him, and in his case, it has to do with geographical and missiological things. But again, for us, it might have to do with our life and transitions and relationships or work. Uh, we may think we know, but we may not. When the door is closed, we need wisdom to decide. Okay, listen, this is where the wisdom often comes in. I'm just, these principles, we have, we have to know, is this something that I'm supposed to push through by faith into? 
and redouble my efforts? Or is this something that God is saying, I don't want you to go that direction? That's the two different things. Like someone will say, you got to have faith. you got to have faith. you got to push it. So you, there are moments where we're going to have to go, Whoo, do I go at this one more time? Or do I see this as the Lord is saying, no. See, that's, that requires wisdom and humility. In all our ways, we are to acknowledge him. He will direct our paths. And what is it to acknowledge but to seek counsel and to ask the Lord to guide us and to submit to his leanings and to align with his purposes? And as we will see next week, listen to me, please. This is best done with others. Second thing I put up there is that sometimes when we meet with what appears to be a no, the best thing we can do is keep going on the path that we are on. This is, you take this for what it is, but I believe this is a principle of scripture that has great value and power in it. Paul wants to go to Ephesus again. He's thinking, the Lord says, no, okay, I'll go north. The spirit of Jesus makes clear that's not his will. He's left at that point with two alternatives because he's on that crossroad. Do I go back or straight ahead? And so what does he do? He pushes on. He pushes on. And we may have in our lives a sense of a need of a direction change, right? But then when we attempt it, it, it's like God is closing that door or at least making it clear that that's not my will for you, okay? Then the question is, should we stay on the path and keep moving forward in the direction, right, that is open? And there's a great principle is when we're not sure what to do, stay on the path and keep, that you're on and keep moving forward until we gain clarity. I put something in your handout from a, a writer that I greatly admire, named F.B. Meyer. I particularly like the way he engages Bible characters. And look what he says. Just read it. This will be the quotes right there. You can ponder it a little bit later, but if you, there is wisdom in this. Whenever you are doubtful as to your course, submit your judgment absolutely to the Spirit of God and ask Him to shut against you every door but the right one. In the meanwhile, key, in the meanwhile, continue along the path which you have been already treading. It lies in front of you. Pursue it. Abide, key, abide in the calling in which you were called. Keep as you are, unless you are clearly told to, to do something else. Expect to have as clear a door out as you had in. And if there is no indication to the contrary, consider the absence of indication to be the indication of God's will that you are actually on his track. Now, that will save us pain in life. Because we get restless. And again, I talked about the, I don't always know what I'm supposed to fight for or see as a closer, close and yield to the other direction. See, this is talking about the art of life and the wisdom of the Lord. But let me put this next principle up. Timing is critical. And just, hear me out, just because God <laughs> shuts a door now doesn't mean it won't open later. When the Apostle Paul wanted to go to the great city of Ephesus, he was met with, in the spirit, a no. And so in obedience, he went a different way. A few years later, in what will be known as the third missionary journey, he's going to get to go to Ephesus. And when he gets there, it will become 
one of the most satisfying and meaningful moments in his entire ministry and life. It will be such an affection for the people of Ephesus and the church that grows there, such a genuineness of love and, and deep meaning and rich relationship that they will weep together at their parting. You read about it in Acts 20. It's a powerful principle of waiting for the right timing of God. And, and he models that. Remember, to everything there's a time and a season, and the Lord has a purpose. And sometimes the answer is what we just said. Yes, go, now. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is slow. Sometimes the answer is not now, so keep growing. Again, and here's, here's another one. When the Lord says no, and this is again for the note takers among us, when the Lord says no, it's because I love this. He has a, ah, he has a yes somewhere else for us to pursue. <laughs> I love that. God's plan, listen, you see it. God's plan was to move Paul in a different direction. You know, why did the Lord just say when they were getting ready to start their trip, hey, after you visit the churches, you just need to keep going straight to Troas. I don't know. And so it will be with us. Sometimes we must walk through the nose to find the better yes. And this is where faith comes in. And trust that the Lord is for you and me. Westward to Troas. Troas, Troases are the places we head to by faith. It's the end of the road that opens the way for a new thing. We're going to keep going down the end of the road till there is no road. That's what we're going to do. That's where we're going. What are we going to do? About it? I don't know. All I know is we're going to where they're to, to the end of that road. And when we get there, God will show us the path. And I, I look at it and I go, you know, again, and, and, we'll, and let me just leave it with this. This will be the last one. Sustainment requires enduring disappointment. Those moments where we, where we aren't released to go where we had hoped to go. Those places, but I'll tell you, they're the places that if the Lord is in this and we're open and he's leading and we follow in the path that he's open for us, he's going to send us to Troas. And when we get to Troas, that's where we're going to find uh, all that we need for a new season. The trail of faith always leads to Troas. And Troas is where we learn our next steps. It's where we're given the clues for the next season of our life. Indeed, as Romans tells us, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is go. Sometimes the answer is slow it down. And sometimes the answer is not now. I need you to grow. Let's ponder these things. Your life has meaning and value. And God has a plan for all of us. Let's walk with the shepherd together. Let me pray. Lord, I ask you to just be with us as we ponder your words, ponder our life. We ask for your blessing to remain into our hearts as we close our time with a giving time. Um, we honor you in this way and with our closing song. So honoring you in giving and in song, Lord, um, as we bring this, this time together to a close. I ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen, God.